0: Hi listener, this is from My Geology to Unity, a spiritual journey where we let go of ego and ideological doctrine in favor of meaning, purpose, and unity as a whole. So, what am I doing this episode? Well, this is a solo cast, and I'm reading from a course in miracles. And this version of, of a course in miracles is the circle of atonement version based on the original handwritten notes of Helen Schuchman, and uh, it's a complete and annotated edition. So, well, okay, first of all, what is A Course in Miracles? Okay, so the way I'd explain it is it's a text based on someone who channeled jesus essentially or they channel the christ consciousness and so while ancient christianity i would say it's very much about guilt and shame and fear and, and be, being rules on the basis of that you know in the old testament it has like jericho being slaughtered and like, there's certain things that and there's certainly um And it's been distorted in various ways, like on the Council of Nicaea. Now, this, though, is directly from Christ, and it corrects a number of things from the Bible. And atonement is a very big principle, but it's it's different. Atonement is understood more or less as, I suppose ego death I suppose not just getting rid of ego altogether but more like gradually reducing down the bullshit so that your identity isn't constructed on lies you tell yourself but rather on truths and so that you can I suppose be a conduit for source or God in your in what you do in life, I suppose. And it's putting about putting love into things. And if you're in that state of grace when you're full of unconditional love, you can do miracles. But the miracles it describes aren't necessarily exactly the same thing as miracles in um, in the Bible. So, but it it is described as breaking the laws of physics as understood in 3D essentially. Anyway, um, I could go further into describing uh, The uh, Course in Miracles, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go straight into some readings. Now, I asked for some advice about certain questions I had about A Course in Miracles, given that I've only read like several chapters so far and I asked someone who's been reading it more for some pointers about certain things. You know, I asked them questions and they suggested certain certain lessons in the workbook to look at. And I started reading it today and I decided, I realized I could just read out to you. Um, Why not, right? I might as well share it and make an episode out of it. So, I was trying to get to a certain lesson because it shows them an order. So I was trying to get to 107, which was suggested that I look at. Lesson 107, but I turned onto lesson 100, no, lesson 93, and I read a bit and I realised it's page one 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 one. Now. I'm not going to give you all the details, but in my private life, I've been getting one, 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 a few times, and the tarot card it represents, I got a reading where that came up, or at least I came across the magician card for what's been going on, what will be my next step, what's going on. So, yeah, I'm, I suppose I'm, Magic is the theme of my next step and my personal growth, I suppose. I, I don't know. That that seemed to be what was suggested anyway. And 1111, well, one is generally aligned with the card, is the magician for that. Um, and so I saw what I turned on to page 1111 by accident. I was like, okay, I'm going to read this. I've already read this bit, this, this lesson, but I'm going to read it out to you because I, I feel like it's quite. Quite a good lesson. It's quite helpful. So this is lesson 93. Light and joy and peace abide in me. You think you're the home of evil, darkness and sin. You think if anyone could see the truth about you, he would be repelled, recoiling from you as if a poisonous, as if from a poisonous snake. You think... If what is true about you were revealed to you, you would be struck with horror so intense that you would rush to your death at your own hand, living on after seeing this being impossible. That's one. Two, these beliefs are so firmly fixed that it is hard indeed to help you see that they are based on nothing. That you have made mistakes is obvious, that you have sought salvation in strange ways, have been deceived, deceiving, and afraid of, foolish, afraid of foolish fantasies and savage dreams, and have bowed down to idols made of dust. All this is true by what you now believe. Three, today we question this, not from the point of view of what you think, but from a very different reference point from all, from which such idle thoughts are meaningless. These thoughts are not according to God's will. He does not share these weird beliefs with you. This is enough to prove that they are wrong, but you do not perceive that this is so. Four, why would you not be overjoyed to be assured that all the evil which you think you did was never done? that all your sins are nothing, that you are as pure and holy as you were created, and that light and joy and peace abide in you. Your image of God cannot withstand the will of God. You think that this is death, but it is life. You think you are destroyed, but you are saved. Five, the self you made is not the son of God, Therefore, this self does not exist at all. And everything it seems to do and think means nothing. It is neither bad nor good. It is unreal, and nothing more than that. It does not battle with the Son of God. It does not hurt him, nor attack his peace. It does not change creation, nor reduce eternal sinlessness to sin, and son to hate. Oh, and... and love to hate what power can the self you made possess when it would contradict the will of god okay so that's interesting it's not complete that's just the first page of it how many pages in this lesson um two in a bit so okay I I suppose I don't I'm not I won't say I disagree with some of it but some of it's um, I haven't yet found compatibility with the law of one with yet so at least I'm not sure about so it's the idea that I suppose anything negative isn't real, and I suppose maybe it depends on how it's defined. But coming from the perspective of the law of one, it and I was, um, I actually interviewed. Oh dear. Jim McCarty, the other day, one of the, the original three, he was he transcribed the Law of One, uh, while Carla Rookhart was um channeling it and Don Elkins was asking the questions. And I'm very grateful to have interviewed him. One of the things he said was, What did he say? <laughs> there was a point I was getting to, but um. Well, he was talking about the dark and the light is all the same to Source. It sees it the same. It's just simply, or service to others and service to self, that it just, Source sees it, it gains experience from all of that. It learns from all of that. And ultimately, while service to self beings can't really go beyond low sixth density on that path, they can, and they had to go back and go do service to others after that, they can, um, the source still learns greatly from that. And there's a reason why that path even exists, why duality exists. However, that's not entirely the message that I've been getting from a Course in Miracles. I better turn my phone off before someone calls me or something. <laughs> Wait. Pardon me. Yeah. So um, how do I? How do we interpret this? The I suppose, I can't remember what that film was called. It was a film that talked about true and true-true, right? So maybe the true-true uh, is uh, the love and light. I mean, certainly the dark side of things, self to self, it is actually founded on dishonesty. It's founded on lies. They're lying to themselves. Um, it's not founded on truth. And yet that... Side of action, side of manifestation and being, that is there not a reason why souls engage in that? And part of it is that if there's infinite potential of manifestation, that infinity must contain finity and that finity must. And that would include the possibility for the limited, for separation, for darkness. But otherwise it wouldn't be unlimited. And why would there be limitations to light? And so that choice fundamentally exists. And in A Course in Miracles, it does say, you have the choice and it says that god wouldn't stop you from you're a son of god it says you have we can think in terms of um pantheism it's just a different way of christian sounding way of putting it um that but what we create is If we choose to create darkness or we choose to create ego and falsity then we still can choose that and it's within the remit i suppose of our divine power as souls as sons of god i would say that Dishonesty, untruth, darkness, negativity, there must be, in my opinion, something that must be part of existence in some way. Even if it's not true existence, it's maybe untrue existence. It might seem paradoxical, but perhaps if duality doesn't really exist, then the truth is ultimately beyond truth and falsity, but rather truth-falsity. There's this tendency for Ra to speak of in terms of one thing and an opposite with a hyphen between them, because ultimately they're not really different. And one example of this I thought of recently is this idea about what society will be like after the ascension where work play will be how it's all done. And essentially acting with a, an open heart, doing, I suppose you could just call it a labor of love, like picture Michelangelo in his art. Um, or Leonardo da Vinci sort of thing. Imagine someone with an open heart pouring their heart and almost like channel- with um, all the chakras open and light coming in from source and through them and maybe light coming from Gaia meeting in the heart and then pouring out them choosing to allow that to flow through them into their work. Now, for example the art or whatever it is they're doing now if everyone doing this and all their action what that would be would be workplace. and honestly i think it does align with what miracle work is described as in this text which um i'm not going to define it right now but you might have a clue about what it is already and Right, so that's an example. And so if truth, if truth falsity has a false divide of truth and falsity and is really both, then there's a point at which well, duality becomes meaningless, polarity becomes meaningless. And ultimately, it's united as one. And in such a way that the infinite whole and its manifestations, including dishonest manifestations or, quote, dark manifestations or unloving manifestations or fearful manifestations, are part of the divine potential. And maybe that's a way in which we can see it as it's not really real, but if we consider simulation theory, ultimately, the only really real thing would be God, souls, um, right? But, and souls. But in another sense, it's very noteworthy is it not that there is created the the created and I don't mean souls I mean there is what's in the holographic universe but there is that which is manifested and wielded created molded in experience around us that there's you know there's what seem like physical objects there's different energy there's laws of physics there's whatever even if it's a quote simulation if it's created from source if it comes from source I, I see it as real in a sense even if it's not as even if it's a lower tier of real that's how i see it and if that's not entirely consistent with um um the quote with um the course of miracles or if that's some might interpret the Course of Miracles differently. That's all right. Now, I know it's a tangent, but um, it's something I wanted to talk about anyway. So, all right. So, <clears throat> where was I? I'm sorry if I'm kind of looking down on I'm doing this, but it's kind of a heavy book. Like, oh, the book might fill out there. And uh, oh, wait. so, if I were to um, read all of it, like, up here it would just like might be a workout wouldn't it okay back to it so um let's carry on six your sinlessness is guaranteed by god over and over must be set over and over this must be repeated until it is accepted it is true Your sinlessness is guaranteed by God. Nothing can touch it, nor can change what God created as eternal. The self you made, evil and full of sin, is meaningless. Your sinlessness is guaranteed by God, and light and joy and peace abide in you. Well, there's definitely something to that, even if it's higher, even if we interpret it as just a higher tier of truth. Um, I suppose we can see it as compatible and certainly it, it's a good point in a sense it's certainly what's ultimately much more meaningful is that which is aligned with source seven salvation requires the acceptance of what of but one thought you are as God created you not what you made of yourself. Whatever evil you may think you did, you are as God created you. Whatever mistakes you made, the truth about you is unchanged. Creation is eternal and unalterable. Your sinlessness is guaranteed by God. You are and will forever be exactly as you were created. Light and joy and peace abide in you because God put them there. To clarify, I see this as referring to the spirit body, and the rest being kind of construction of of source and souls. Uh, so I suppose in that lighting, all incarnation and all three D space in, in time is all not really real. I, but maybe that. The fifth definition of real and true, being used by Jesus here, isn't is a high condition for what? Maybe he's defining it as not being true and real unless it meets certain high conditions. Or like we can accept, we can see it as truthful while not. necessarily defining things the same way i i i, I feel like anyway, i'll carry on actually in our longer exercise periods of day which would be most it would be most which would be most profitable if done for the first five minutes of every waking hour we will begin by stating the truth about our creation light and joy and peace abide in me My sinlessness is guaranteed by God. Now, you're free to do that for the fast by means of every waking hour. Of course, uh, you're also free not to, obviously. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to be doing that. Not today, anyway. Then put away your foolish self-images and spend the rest of the practice period trying to experience what God has given you in place of what you have decreed for yourself. Hmm. Wow, it's pretty self-explanatory, I suppose. This um, what has been decreed for yourself or self-images, it's referring to the ego. You're what God created or what you made. One self is true, the other is not there. Try to experience the unity of your one self. Try to appreciate its holiness and the love in which it was created. Try not to interfere with the self which God created as you by hiding its majesty behind the tiny idols of evil and sinfulness you have made to replace it. Let it come into its own. Here you are, this is you, and light and joy and peace abide in you because it is so. Because this is so. Now, this reminds me a lot of the Tao, or my understanding of Taoism, which is, well, the Tao is the way, and yin and yang represent chaos and order, and the way is... It's striking a balance between them and every in the moment, but where that balance is strapped between them might move like a river. After all, if you look at yin and yang, that middle bit, the line between yin and yang is, well, bendy. You may not be willing or even able to use the first five minutes of each hour for these exercises. Try, however, to do so when you can. At least remember to repeat today's idea each hour in this form. Light and joy and peace abide in me. My sinlessness is guaranteed by God. Now, of course, God, source, infinite creator, much of a watchness, really. I see no reason why this would be incompatible with the law of one. I suppose it just takes a bit of creativity, putting it together. I mean, Carla Rookhart was... had a good relationship with Christ. Um, she... From a young age. So, and by that I mean she probably channeled Christ in some way, just privately. Um, so, I don't think that. In fact, she even channeled Christ in some of the, some of what she wrote. You can see it on our our slash our research. It's um actually do I have it here? Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. I I, I know it's like I'm recording right now, but sorry. Ah. yes, yes, this is what my am I oh, did yoga earlier. Yeah. Right? Fashion gurus with wince. Um well I did see something written by her but that's not it it's actually a pdf you can get it for free I think on their website I I can't remember what it's called um but she wrote a series of short texts, I suppose, like maybe one page long, maybe less, maybe slightly more. And to Shannon and Jesus. That's all I say. And so I, I, I definitely see the law of one as compatible with this. You know, it feels like a Bible the the Yeah it definitely It's got those thin pages and everything. And it's nice. I suppose that's what it feels like for Christians, right? To have their own Bible. Um, Anyway, where was I? Then try to devote at least a minute or so to closing your eyes and realizing that this is a statement of the truth about you. If a situation arises which seems to be disturbing, quickly dispel the illusion of fear by repeating the idea again. Should you be tempted to become angry with someone, tell him silently. Light and joy and peace abide in you. Your sinlessness is guaranteed by God. I will also, at this point, even though it's not entirely relevant, repeat something a method that Jim McCarthy told me, which was told to him by Ra, which is, suppose you're getting this egoic reaction or this flare up of negative emotion. It might be fear, hate, anger, whatever. Um, their love will, if you wait, let yourself feel it and wait. And love will come you will start to feel love and wait until and you just wait until love is felt within you to the same intensity and dwell in that love and then you will have dealt with that motion in a healthy way that's my impression although if you really want to see him in his words i would um listen to that interview and or watch it and or you could even get the raw material for yourself Does that you can do much for the world's salvation today you can do much to bring close to bring yourself closer to the part in salvation god has assigned to you and you can do much to bring the conviction of your mind that the idea for the day is true indeed. Now, that's a page I'll turn on to randomly. What, this, now we're going to over a, a page that I was suggested to read. So this is lesson 106. Actually, actually i was suggested to read 107, but actually when I was trying to find it I got to 106. I outside our dream there. so here we are. Lesson 106. Let me be still and listen to the truth. If you will lay aside the ego's voice, however loudly it may seem to call, if you will not accept its petty gifts, which give you nothing that you really want, if you will listen with an open mind which has not told you what salvation is. Then you will hear the mighty voice of truth, quiet in power, strong in stillness and completely certain in its messages. Two, listen and hear your father speak to you through his appointed voice, which silences the thunder of the meaningless and shows the way to peace to those who cannot see. Be still today and listen to the truth. Be not deceived by the voices of the dead. Now, there's a footnote here. It says, as we see in the next paragraph, the voices of the dead is a figurative way of talking about the voices of the world. Now, elsewhere, early on in the main text, which I've read, it mentions the idea that to live in fear is not truly to live at all. And so that seems to fit into this. The voices of the dead, to me, is the voices of those who live in fear. So it's saying, don't be deceived by those who live in fear. And their voices. Which tell you they have found the source of life and offer it to you for your belief. Attend them not, but listen to the truth. Three. Be not afraid today to circumvent the voices of the world. Walk lightly past their meaningless persuasion. Hear them not. Be still today and listen to the truth. Go past all things which do not speak of him who holds your happiness within his hand. Held out to you in welcome and in love. Hear only him today and do not wait to reach him longer. Hear one voice today. So... What I take from this is that the answer lies within. We can look within for the answer and we don't even necessarily need to you know, look at our favourite YouTubers about spirituality. Although that's certainly something that can be fruitful. If you're in doubt just be in the moment insofar as you can. Be in silence and maybe do a garden meditation and just allow, be with yourself as much as you can and let source come to you. Right? Yeah. Because then there's an insight that you can get through that sort of attunement, maybe it's discernment, that if you're getting conflicting messages you're not sure to believe, look within and see what comes that way. See what comes to you. Today the promise of God's word is kept. Hear and be silent. He would speak to you. He comes with miracles a thousand times as happy and as wonderful as those you have ever dreamt or wished, for, dreamed or wished for in your dreams. So, i am carry reading. His miracles are true. They will not fade when dreaming ends. They end his, the dream instead. And last forever, for they come from God to his dear son, whose other name is you. And note that son here is being used loosely as essentially child of God. And my impression is that if you think of it in terms of the law of one. Densities one to six, or anything other than source, united as a whole, anything below that level, I suppose you could say, is, um, in a sense, a child of God or a son of God in this terminology. And Jesus is actually, the Christ consciousness is actually included as a son in God. In such a position where Christ can hold out a hand to us, one's hand, and on the other hand, would we'll be holding God's hand or sources' hand, on the other hand, holding us. And can help us when we might be stuck in ego and can yeah, it can help us in that way. Prepare yourself for miracles today. Today allow your father's ancient pledge to you and all your brothers to be kept. Hear him today and listen to the word which lifts the veil and lies upon the earth and wakes all those who sleep and cannot see. I wonder, is it simply the word that you get in this text or the word? It's with the, the word within when you are silent, but it may also, in a sense, be sort of as, sort of as. In say Hebrew or in Sanskrit, like, Om oh, or oh, what have you, <clears throat> tones like that, which um, where the sound of creation sings in you, right. And it helps you wake up. Wakes all those who sleep and cannot see. It gives you a sight beyond your regular sight. Perhaps helps you open your third eye. Uh, lifts the veal that lies upon the earth. I mean, I imagine you know what the veal is. The veal of forgetting. It allows us to see, remember past lives and... and and the like, to such an extent, or at least enables that prospect. He needs your voice to speak to them, for who could reach God's son except his father, calling through yourself? So, all souls, in a sense, are source, and source is God. And we can listen to that voice in the silence, that voice within, the source. And we can communicate that word out to others. And if they are receptive to listen, they can hear that word and that the word of God. And... The word of source, it may wake them up. And so that is, I think that is a manner of service to self. I said that, didn't I? I just said that. I got more in work to do, huh? Ha. Huh. Although, actually, that technically is true. That is technically true in a law of one sense. Service to self is actually. Technically speaking, giving experience and learning to source. But uh, Freud would have a field day, wouldn't he? Well, I don't know. I can't really give you an explanation of why that is. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of find it disconcerting that I said that, but here we go. Yes, service to others. Um. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Wow. Maybe that's catalyst. I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Six. Hear him today and offer him your voice to speak to all the multitude who wait to hear the word that he will speak today. Be ready for salvation. It is here and will today be given unto you. And you will learn your function from the one who chose it in your father's name for you. Seven. Listen today and you will hear a voice that will resound throughout the world through you. The bringer of all miracles has need that you receive them first and thus become the joyous giver of what you received thus does salvation start and thus it ends when everything is yours and everything is given away it will remain with you forever and the lesson has been learned eight today we practice giving not the way you understand it now but as it is The longer exercises should begin with this request for your enlightenment. I will be still and listen to the truth. What does it mean to give and to receive? Ask and expect an answer. Your request is one whose answer has been waiting long to be received by you. It will be in the ministry for which you came. And which will free the world from thinking giving is a way to lose. And so the world becomes ready to understand and to receive. I get a sense of leading by example from that. And is ministry your chosen way of serving? The way you chose to serve others in your incarnation prior to your life. Or maybe something else nine be still and listen to the truth today for each five minutes spent in listening a thousand minds are open to to the truth and they will hear the holy word you hear and when the hour is past you can again release a thousand more who pause to ask that truth be given them along with you ten Today, the holy word of God is kept through your receiving it to give away so you can teach the world what giving means by listening and learning of him, learning it of him. Do not forget today to reinforce your choice to hear and to receive the word by this reminder given to yourself as often as is possible today. Let me be still and such. Let me be still and listen to the truth. I am the messenger of God today. My voice is his to give what I receive. What was this? This was some insight I got, I would say, from my spirit guides about this is a post it note I wrote on it, using it as a bookmark um i'll tell you what i wrote Uh, this is about i think this is about healing and magic um see change and creation with your third eye as you let god's love light flow into your crown and Gaia's energy into your root as it comes together in a ball in your heart chakra feel the love for all things see visualize the change our source and set the intention. Put love into it. Visualize change. Occur in the moment. Let it be. Breathe deep throughout. Heal. I gonna might as well mention it. Okay, so next page. Well, that's lesson 07. So the actual lesson that I've suggested to read originally. Actually, no, this is actually a preliminary for another one, but Well, I'm going to go through it. Lesson 107. Truth will correct all errors in my mind. What can correct illusions but the truth? And what are errors but illusions which remain unrecognized for what they are? Where truth has entered, errors disappear. They merely vanish, leaving not a trace by which to be remembered. They are gone because without belief they have no life. And so they disappear to nothingness, returning whence they came. From dust to dust they come and go, for only truth remains. And there's a footnote here. Genesis 3, 19, RSV. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of which you are taken, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And it was adapted in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer to ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Two, can you imagine what a state of mind without illusions is? How it would feel? Try to remember when there was a time, perhaps a minute, maybe even less, when nothing came to interrupt your peace. When you were certain you were loved and safe. Then try to picture what it would be like to have that moment extended to the end of time and to eternity. Then let the sense of quiet that you felt be multiplied by a hundred times, then be multiplied by another hundred more. And now you have a hint, not more than just the faintest imitation, intimation, of the state of your mind will rest in when the truth has come. So, if that's a hint about fourth density and beyond, well... Well, I think it is, essentially. Uh, if you want to know what it'll be like after the ascension, that, that's a clue. So, pretty good, huh? Without illusions... There could be no fear, no doubt, and no attack. When truth has come, all pain is over, for there is no room for transitory thoughts and dead ideas to linger in your mind. Truth occupies your mind completely, liberating you from all beliefs in the ephemeral. They have no place because the truth has come, and they are nowhere. They cannot be found. For truth is everywhere forever now. Four. When truth has come, it does not stay a while to disappear or change to something else. It does not shift and alter in its form, nor come and go, and go and come again. It stays exactly as it always was, depended on in every need and trusted with a perfect trust. In all the seeming difficulties and the doubts which the appearances the world presents engender. They will merely blow away when the truth corrects the errors in your mind. Five, when truth has come, it harbors in its wings the gifts of perfect consistency and love which does not falter in the face of pain, but looks beyond it steadily and sure. Here is the gift of healing for the truth needs no defense and therefore no attack is possible illusions can be brought to truth to be corrected, but the truth stands far beyond illusions and cannot be brought to them to turn them into truth. Truth does not come and go, nor shift, nor change in this appearance now and then in that evading capture and escaping grasp. It does not hide. It stands in open light in obvious accessibility. It is impossible that anyone could seek it truly and would not succeed. So what I'm getting from this is, well, truth. Is peace and it brings peace. You don't need to defend yourself, and you don't need to attack others, and you feel no need to when you're in peace and love, and when when you really have truth. I mean, you know, what that tells us is is if you are, if you find yourself where you're attached to a sense of truth and you're trying to tell any other people what to believe, you're kind of attacking other people's egos or their identity in some sense. You're attacking where you realize they are not. And if you're attacking, it's not really truth, is it? Otherwise you wouldn't be attacking, you'd be acting peacefully. Or at least there must be something not truthful about it, whether even if it's your delivery, if that's the case. And another thing seems to be that to get to truth, you need to unravel your lies or bring, bring untruth to truth. Allow the light of truth to shine Forth and transform you, and transform it, rather than simply you can't bring truth down to your level, you need to rise to it, and that may include rising your frequency. And if you truly seek truth, you will find it. Seek and you shall find. So. Today belongs to truth. Give truth its due and it will give you yours. You were not meant to suffer and to die. Your father wills these dreams be gone. Let truth correct them all. We do not ask for what we do not have. We merely ask for what belongs to us, that we may recognise it as our own. Today we practise on the happy note of certainty which has been born of truth. The shaky and unsteady footsteps of illusion are not ours; are not our approach today. We are as certain of success as we are sure we live and hope and breathe and think. We do not doubt we walk with truth today and count on it to enter into all the exercises that we do this day. So you don't need to be light-footed and, you don't need to be, well, you don't need to step shakily and unsteady when you have truth with you and ask yourself if you are if that is how you are proceeding with shaky and unsteady steps and I mean that in a symbolic sense as well then where is the untruth within you where is the pain or the fear, these things, at least in light of this text, are not real. In a sense, what it suggests is that there is fear and negativity within you if you are acting unsure of yourself and and cautious, and that is a sign that you can reflect inwards and find what it is. Begin by asking him who goes with you upon this undertaking, that he be your awareness as you go with him. And uh, this footnote says, him who goes with you is yourself, Christ, who accompanies you on the journey home as a companion and brother, but who, when you awaken, will be recognised by you as yourself. So the Christ... Consciousness is with us. And there's a sense in which when we awaken, we realize we're Christ. Holy and only or partly. I don't know, but that's interesting. Certainly there's the idea that all sons of God are, in one sense, one, and brothers, one family, for sure. And certainly, there's this idea in the Lord One of the Christ consciousness helping us awaken. Um, I'm not sure what else to say about it, but interesting. You're not made of flesh blood and bone but were created by the self same thought which gave the gift of life to him as well he is your brother and so like to you your father knows that you are both the same we are like Christ really right and we have we have spirit bodies that's our soul That's who we really are. Even the energy body isn't really us. And certainly not a physical body. These are, they're like garments. I I suppose the energy body is like an energy toolbox. And maybe, um, and the body is like clothing. And in that sense, if you just take if you just look at your soul and compare it to God, like your soul is a part of God, a piece of God. So there we go. Ten. It is yourself you ask to go with you. And how could he be absent where you are? Truth will correct all errors in your mind, which tell you you could be apart from him. You speak to him today and make your pledge to let his function be filled through you. To share his function is to share his joy. His confidence is with you, as you say. Truth will correct all errors in my mind, and I will rest in him who is myself then let him lead you gently to the truth, which will envelop you and give you peace so deep and tranquil that you will return to the familiar world reluctantly. Hmm. And certainly it's a brave thing to incarnate in a sense, especially when you go back to the spirit world or what have you, and you experience that peacefulness from what I read in David Wilcock's book, The Synchronicity Key is, there comes a point where a curiosity begins about the next life, anyway. 11. And yet you will be glad to look again upon this world, for you will bring with you the promise of the changes which the truth that goes with you will carry to the world. They will increase with every gift you give of five small minutes, and the errors which surround the world will be corrected as you let them be corrected in your mind. This speaks of a number of things. One is that change starts within... And internal change and external change reflect each other, change within, and that contributes to the awakening and the journey of souls back to source, to unity. And part of why we go back into reincarnation is service to unity, to source helping with that that eventuality, helping towards that. And it's a service. And we bring truth with us and carry it to the world. I suppose part of what we're here for is to bring the truth that we brought here out from ourselves and out to each other. And that truth is source's truth, God's truth, divine truth, and help others do the same and bring us all closer to unity and the light. 12 do not forget your function for today each time you tell yourself with confidence truth will correct all errors in my mind you speak for all the world and him who would release the world as he would set you through it free i put a little bit of negative in me and it's like I think of it like the trickster right and then it was like Flee? No, flee. Look, what why? Why be afraid? But there we go. Um I've still got some work to do. Or is it play to do? I don't know. But um in a work. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny, isn't it? why oh, I keep having these frozen skins. <laughs> uh, flee. <clears throat> All right. So, um, what else was suggested? Okay, so this was a preliminary lesson for lesson 119. Okay, 119, 119. All right. For morning and evening review, one, with reference to page one with lesson 107, truth will correct all errors in my mind. I am mistaken when I think I can be hurt in any way. I am God's son, whose self rests safely in the mind of God. So I'm going to do that again because it's written in three lines like a poem, and I'm going to do it in that way. I am mistaken when I think I can. Be hurt in any way. I am God's son, whose self rests safely in the mind of God. Two, with reference to lesson 108 is wait, 108. To give and to receive are one in truth. Without even reading it, a sense I get is, if you give, it's a matter of course that you will receive. But do not give to receive, just give, trusting that you will be. But not expecting it with your ego, not being like doing it to get, Don't give to get, but give and you will get. But it must be about love, otherwise it doesn't work that way. I will forgive all things today that I, may learn how to accept the truth in me and come to recognize my sinlessness. Three, on the hour, truth will correct all errors in my mind. On the half hour, to give and to receive are one in truth. So, now, I would suggest that I mean, if you were to do these things I'm reading out, if you were to do these daily or on the hour, I mean, I mean, it would raise your frequency, it would help. I mean, it's like for me to consider, right? <laughs> At what point would I commit to like doing all of these on a daily, hourly basis? I don't know, like that's quite a commitment to someone starting out. But, oh, I just turned on to page 1000. My holiness is my salvation. If guilt is hell, what is its opposite? I just randomly turned to the page, so lesson thirty-nine. In case that has some sort of numerology meaning, I don't know. Like the text for which this workbook is written, the ideas which are used for these exercises are very simple, very clear and totally unambiguous. We are not concerned with intellectual feats nor logical playthings. We are dealing only with the very obvious, which has been overlooked in the clouds of complexity in which you think you think. If you're watching this on YouTube and you think I'm over, or feel I'm overcomplicating it, maybe overthinking it, do say, I, I would like to know. But guilt, uh, perhaps the same applies to shame as well. But um, guilt is hell. It doesn't help. It's a low frequency. It, and when people feel that way, they don't necessarily act better anyway um i mean some might say okay someone's guilty or someone's ashamed and so it's like a fear of what other people think of you or maybe it's a separate emotion from that as well like but if they just act better but without being better at heart without a any more love in them then they're not really moving in a positive direction and if it's low frequency like It makes someone feel smaller. And when people are in pain, they're more likely to lash out and hurt others. So I don't feel like... I don't feel like the idea... The idea that guilt and shame are a way to train, condition, and learn, like... That's what the Bible teaches, right? And... I think there's a reason why the Christ consciousness was channeled with this, with these lessons, because something valuable was lost, distorted, perhaps deliberately, by, I would say, Saturnian forces. And to clarify, the Romans actually highly venerated saturn if you know greek mythology that would be kronos the god of time and limitation. actually zeus's father uh who tried to eat him um one of the titans in greek mythology not a nice chap um also, Saturn has been the prevailing in astrology. Saturn has been pervading over this age, the past age of Pisces. I think it has been pervading over the age of Aries too, and honestly, every single one since the fall of the Atlanteans. Now, that itself is not backed up. I just, that that feels right to me. Um, yeah, it was a Roman psyop because like real Christian ideas, like, like was in this were well, the real the ideas of Christ were actually a threat. Um, that's why they were sent d- to d- d- the lions. Um, but, well, when it was gaining traction, they just did the next best thing, which is co-opted. And so something that was of the light, they twisted into something of the darkness. And so even though, you know, Christians see, they may even see New Age ideas as a satanic. But insofar as it's even a thing, I mean, there's um, if you really look at the Bible, like it's questionable if any, if Satan's even a real figure other than the sort of vague reference to the opposition, right? Uh, Lucifer is mentioned more times than Satan technically, which isn't actually the same figure, and it might be a bit, a bit antagonistic or something to say. That Christianity is satanic. Now, I, I wouldn't say that. It's kind of contradictory. But there's a darkness to what it became and to how it was shaped by the Romans. Keep in mind the Romans did slavery and were very big on control and domination. Um, in fact, they kind of mastered it. They mastered warfare, which is the opposite of peace. Keep that in mind. Now, they had a the good legal system, but um, something that, Something that Carla Rookhart mentioned about the Mongol Empire actually is that Genghis Khan was service herself. And you might think that there wouldn't be anything. You might think that meritocracy is a sort of fair principle. And it, it kind of is. But in another way, it's awfully effective to have a meritocracy if you want effective leaders and warriors to getting what you want done for your power and, and since they serve you, you know, for your power, right? And that's what Genghis Khan did. And for those at the top who are service to self, a system which um, is efficient is effective for their power interests. Especially if they are ahead of an empire, they what they wanted. Well, the Romans or like Genghis Khan and his and the other khan's and so forth. What they fact, benefited greatly from was a highly efficient, an efficient legal system, an efficient military system. And what do you think the Romans had? That is how a services service self system works. I mean, you could even say the British Empire was like that. Um, yeah, that, that's what you get. Hmm. I'm feeling a heat in my forehead. Um. So, um, I wonder why that is. Anyway, I'm oh, meaning like Gil. Uh, anyway, so, um. Anyway, um. Guilt is hell. And religion that promotes guilt is hellish. I mean, if the experience of guilt is hellish, I mean, I mean, they would say, oh, well, I mean, those who are guilty are well, they're guilty. They're the sinful ones. They, and if they experience hell, that's justice, right? But that's just what An abuser would teach you to be guilty. Um, That's just what such a system would teach. If guilt is hell, what is its opposite? This is not difficult, surely. The hesitation which you might... You may feel in answering is not due to the ambiguity of the question, but do you believe that guilt is hell? If you did, you would see at once how direct and simple the text is, and you would not need a workbook at all. No one needs practice to gain what he is already his. We have already said that your holiness is a salvation of the world. What about your own salvation? You cannot give what you do not have. A saviour must be saved. How else can he teach salvation? Today's exercises will apply to you alone, recognising that your salvation is crucial to the salvation of the world. As you apply the exercises to your own world, the whole world will stand to the benefit. Your holiness is the answer to every question that was ever asked. Is being asked now or will be asked in future. In the future? And there's a footnote here. Since my holiness is the answer to every question, here we may find the answer to the question, if guilt is hell, what is the opposite? Answer, my holiness, which is my salvation. What is the opposite of guilt, which is hell? It is holiness, which is salvation. Begin the practice period oh, there's a whole bunch of text there. Um, I'll read it out. Begin the practice period as usual, by repeating today's idea in yourself, to yourself. Then, with closed eyes, search out for your unloving thoughts in whatever form they appear: uneasiness, depression, anger, fear, worry, attack, insecurity and so on. Whatever form they take, they are unloving and therefore fearful. And so it is from them that you need to be saved. Perhaps all negative emotions are, it's like a dark flower of fear. And all negative emotions are like petals that are growing from that, from one root or one seed, a dark seed. Or something. The tree of good and evil, maybe. You can choose the tree of life. Or you can choose the tree of good and evil. Um, oh, that's, you saw my um, lazy eye there. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a reference to... I'm referring to the Kabbalah. I don't know much about it to be honest, but there are two trees, which you can utilize, I suppose they look like the same, so it goes this middle pillar, and then these outer ones, it's a bit like the tree of life, but look it up, I'm sure you can find it, tree of life, Kabbalah, tree of good and evil, you'll see the pictures. Anyway, so it's like, you know, I'm in danger of completely misrepresenting the whole tree of life and the tree of good and evil here. So take what I'm saying with a tiny pinch of salt. But I get the sense of almost like two energy circuits and you can choose which one you send the energy through. One is life, light, and one is like a dark system. And one is non-duality and beyond all that. But the other is, oh, I'm talking about two trees. That sounds like duality. So I can't be contradicting myself here. But it kind of sounds like a paradox. But the other one is fear, love and fear. Um, Love and life, are they aligned? I would say so. And good and evil, that's a sort of... It well, reminds me of the, the whole fear and guilt thing of... that I sense of... things. But I don't know. Um, I would gladly be corrected by someone who knows a lot about the Kabbalah, to be honest. Um, what's that YouTube channel? I actually interviewed a guy as well. Um, he talked about mysticism. Seekers of Unity, that's it. Yeah, um, you, you've probably got your videos about it. Yeah, I'll check him out. specific situations events or personalities you associate with unloving thoughts of any kind are suitable subjects for today's exercises it is imperative for you for your own salvation that you see them very different said differently but very differently sure i'll take that and it is your blessing on them that will save you and give you vision Eight, slowly, without conscious selection and without undue emphasis on anyone in particular, search your mind for any thought that stands between you and your salvation. As I was reading out, fear came to mind. So for me, that's where I'll be. Oh, no, another one just came. I'm not good enough. There you go. That just came to me. Uh, apply the idea for today to each of them in this way. My unloving thoughts about I'm not good enough are keeping me in hell my holiness is my salvation. And this footnote, unloving thoughts are keeping us in hell because they cause guilt and we are told above guilt is hell. You may find these sessions easier if you intersperse The applications with several short periods during which you merely repeat today's idea of yourself slowly a few times. You may also find it helpful to include a few short intervals in which you just relax and do not seem to be thinking of anything. Sustained concentration is very difficult at first. It will become much easier as your mind becomes more disciplined and less distractible. Uh, Something I find, starting to find is that it's okay to just watch yourself be distracted and so you could be sitting there and you've got all these sort of thoughts coming along that of all sorts of things and it might be some could be all sorts of things that just come into your mind right and it's rattling along doing its thing and that's okay you can just observe that looking at yourself with a sort of sense of detachment maybe even amusement uh that's your ego and it's just playing out the programs that you've put into it I suppose all the experiences are put into it and you needn't be attached to that you needn't be reactive to that you can simply watch and eventually as you watch it becomes less active, as you watch it again and again and again, Who many meditations, I suppose. And I'm just lear- I'm in the process of learning this. I, I often forget this principle, even though I've been told it and it resonates. So hopefully it helps you. Meanwhile, you should feel free to introduce a variety into your application periods. In whatever form appeals to you, do not, however, change the idea itself in varying the method of applying it. However, you elect to use it, the idea must be stated so that its meaning remains in your holiness, that your holiness is your salvation. End each practice period by repeating the idea in its original form once more and adding if guilt is hell, what is its opposite? 11. In the shorter applications, which should be made some three or four times an hour, and more if possible, you may ask yourself this question. Repeat today's idea, or preferably both. If temptations arise, a particularly helpful form of the idea is, my holiness is a salvation from this. Okay, so something to keep in mind about these lessons is, they're meant to be one a day. Uh, You can do it in order. You can... Do it randomly. You can do it how you want, but ideally, I I would choose one of these and apply it consistently across a day. Um in fact, they tend to get harder as you go from the beginning to the end. So actually, I'll start from the beginning and follow you. But that's just me. I am kind of randomly doing these, semi-randomly. Um I mean, if you don't have the book on you, I mean maybe you could benefit from doing this way. And of course, you don't need to do it full on as consistent every hour, every half hour, what have you. You could just do it once in a day and you'd benefit from it. It's just a matter of how much you benefit, depending on how much you do. And but don't push yourself. If you find that you're feeling that you're forcing yourself, maybe out of a sense of duty or the um, or whatever, there's a negative feeling, and, and then sense you're forcing yourself, like pace yourself, like with anything, like oh, that was a yoga teacher. She says there's sukram, no sukram and sukram or something like that. Uh, it's just, it's a steadiness and ease, or, or something, where y- you don't want. I suppose it's a bit like yin and yang right you, you want to do things in a balanced way you don't want to and it doesn't want to be forced because if it's forced well probably more your ego involved and that's the last thing you want so and you know awakening and these practices they take time to practice i mean the practices so they're here so yeah what next? I was looking for a page there. Um, that's lesson 39 I was on. Hmm. Let's try one more. Um, there's a bunch more to look at that I was directed to, but. Hmm. there's 120 these are kind of short lessons so i can do this for morning and evening review now i wouldn't do all these in the same day i mean you can if you want i'm not going to tell you not what to do right but like you could note down these i guess or something um as different exercises you can do on different days. I mean, fundamentally, what you do is up to you for this. You could just take it in, um, and something. Your subconscious will do something with it, if that's what you want to do. Interestingly, each of these lessons makes references to other ones. Well, not all of them. Some of them do. This makes reference to 109 and 110. Um, but I'll just read them out. One, I rest in God. I rest in God today and let him work in me and through me while I rest in him, in quiet and in perfect certainty. Two, I am as God created me. I am God's son. Today I'll lay aside all sick illusions of myself and let my father tell me what I really am. I thought that came to my head, love as I said that. Three, on the hour, I rest in God. On the half hour, I am as God created me. So that's Lesson 20, 120. 121 is kind of a long one. I could leave that to another reading, actually. But there is also, says page 100 and 1,389. So... Um, I'll go there. I haven't done less than 121 and 122. And I'll leave that for another one because I've gone on for a while, I, I sensed that. Um, page 1,300. I just turned on to lesson 154. I'm among the ministers of God. Interesting. Um, Give me your blessing, Holy Son of God. Okay, so. So I turned on to page 1381, lesson 217. I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. So your spirit body. Okay, how long is this section? It's not that long. So I'll do this and then I'll finish off unless something comes to me. So this section here is what is forgiveness? And forgiveness is a key theme, a key principle in the Course of Miracles. Forgiving yourself is part of how your tone. It's part of atonement, and common is a key principle. So, yeah, I'll read it out. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness recognises what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred. So, uh, consider um, something someone did to you that hurt, and... Jesus is telling you, it hasn't really occurred. You might feel like, well, it did. I, I experienced it. Like, what are you telling me? It didn't ever have occurred. I suppose, I suppose it's a tacit reference to simulation theory, perhaps. Um, or at we can use that to understand it. the idea of there's true true right and that's um the divine truth and then there's egoic experience and that isn't the same and that can be remembered it does not pardon sins and make them real it sees there was no sin and then there's not guilt and forgiveness for what you're guilty for or culpable for. It's like, it's not real. The divine purity is what's really real, what really matters, and what really heals. It's love. The heart, the love, light, and truth are linked and you see how it is when you see with light shrouded in darkness you don't see how it is with darkness with an absence of light and lies obscure the truth like darkness they shroud truth they get in the way of light and If you see that the darkness shrouding, blocking the light that the lies surrounding the truth are a construction of the ego are an illusion are not what they're not of the divine truth and love and that divine truth and love is what really is at the core of existence and being forgiveness seems to be this is my subjective interpretation keep in mind that i would go over the text over what i'm saying and interpret it or take it as you will um forgiveness helps you see that gives you perspective about and it it, if if you get a bright light, you know, it strips away the darkness or just darkness is an absence of light more, the if the light shines upon it you're left with light and you see how it is in light of the light of forgiveness you see that the darkness it shot upon isn't there. It's just an absence, right? And in this view, are all your sins forgiven? What is sin except a false idea about God's Son? Forgiveness merely sees its falsity and therefore lets it go. What then is free to take its place is now the will of God. An unforgiving thought is one which makes a judgment that it will not raise to doubt, although it is untrue. The mind is closed and will not be released. The thought protects projection. Footnote 11. This seems to mean that an unforgiving thought that we will not raise to doubt protects our projection of guilt onto our brother. And what this means is when we do that, we're feeling it. And when we are inciting guilt in another, um, well, it's a projection. It's actually ours. And the healthy thing to do would be to look honestly, at how we feel, at that guilt, shine light of truth upon it and purify ourselves essentially. Um, But if we don't do that, if instead we just stubbornly stick to the projection and protect the projection with judgment, then the unforgiving thought that is, um, well, I mean, it's self-destructive, really. And it causes suffering. And let's see what Moore has said on it. Tightening its chains so that distortions are more veiled and more obscure, less easily accessible to doubt and further kept from reason. What can come between a fixed projection and the aim that has chosen what can come between a fixed projection and the aim that it has chosen as its needed goal? Three, an unforgiving thought does many things. In frantic action, it pursues its goal, twisting and overturning what it sees as interfering with its chosen path. Distortion is its purpose, and by the means by which it would accommodate, accomplish it as well. It sets about its furious attempts to smash reality without concern for anything that would appear to pose a contradiction to its point of view. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is still and quietly does nothing. It offends no aspect of reality, nor seeks to twist it to appearances it likes. It merely looks and waits and judges not He who would not forgive must judge, for he must judge his failure to forgive. But he who would forgive himself must learn to welcome truth exactly as it is. And this can be painful for people, especially when this can be painful for people because, like, people have had trauma. They've You know, they've had hard experiences, they've got beliefs. So the way this text describes the way the tech are working, of course in miracles. There you go. Great memory of mine. The way it describes ego from in my perspective is that it's it starts out with a basic lie you tell yourself and then because you have to believe in what you create, that's the way we work, you end up making more lies to retain the belief on the basis of the insane belief. Now, Jesus says this, that it's technically insane to believe in things that are just like dishonest, and then like believing more dishonest things to, to support that because there's an attachment to that an identification with that and it's painful to strip that away i suppose or at least it's hard even it's hard to think in other terms and you have to allow the light to shine on it and christ to help you or the light to help you've got to help you with it like well it's what it describes you need to allow forgiveness um but there's often a reluctance a reluctance so because we've got this like a construction, a, a set of, just like suppose one lie you tell yourself is a brick of Lego, right? And then you got based on that, you build other ones in certain positions based on that. And you build this structure and you're, you feel that that structure is who you are. Because that's how you're used to identifying and relating. Like this is who you are, right? And it's it can be easier to add pieces to that or protect the pieces you have, rather than admitting that you've spent hours or I'm stretching the metaphor here. That you've spent loads of that you've invested lots of energy and time into something that, suppose it's kind of It starting to look at it's actually kind of becoming a burden, right? But if you admitted to yourself that you wasted your time, what if your pride can't accept it? Then you would insist that there's nothing wrong with it and that other people pointing out problems with it are actually doing it on malice. And then you might get angry at them for pointing flaws with your creation Because it's not flawed. They're flawed. How dare they, right? Um, And the more avoidance of confronting the truth is pursued, the worse it gets. Five. Do nothing then and let forgiveness show you What to do through him who is your guide, your saviour and protector, strong in hope and certain of your ultimate success. He has forgiven you already, for such is his function, given him by God. Now must you share his function and forgive whom he has saved, whose sinlessness he sees and whom he honours as the son of God. And I've got a footnote. Our brother is the one whom he has saved, whose sinlessness he sees, and whom he honours as the son of God. So, that's you. And how many people worldwide, how much of this conflict, of this, the, the politics and the disagreements over COVID and, so many other things, like how much of it could be healed through forgiveness? How much of it is actually this sort of process of lies upon lies told to oneself, like or people... Of unforgiving thoughts, of... In frantic action, it pursues its goal, twisting and overturning what it sees as interfering with its chosen path. Distortion is its purpose and the means by which it would accomplish it as well it sets about its furious attempts to smash reality without concern for anything that would appear to pose a contradiction to its point of view And that's politics isn't it not inherently politics i would say that it's possible to have loving politics truly loving politics um but it would be you know the difference would be like night and day right judgment so much of it there's so much judgment in all of this conflict, more of this, you know, this discord, like, there's so much judgment. People, One person judges, another person judges back, and then people are yelling at each other and fighting each other. It's just a mess. So many people are dwelling in fear and in guilt and in shame and... We can do better. Humanity can do better. And it's, this is why I'm really grateful that the awakening is happening. So. Okay. So if you're, if you listen from beginning to end, um, thanks a lot. I hope you'd enjoyed it. I, I really find it stimulating and, um, I learned a lot from this. Reading this was a learning experience. A lot of what I read here, reading reading me, huh? I'm reading it for the first time, but maybe Christ is reading me as I read it, huh? Maybe Christ will read you as you read it. How do you feel about that? Anyway, um, so what else can I say about this text? Published in West Sedona. It would be Sedona, wouldn't it? Um, that's a judgment. How could I? Um, the author is officially, I mean, the author is actually thought to be Jesus. I'll I say the author is Jesus, but um, I mean, it's based on what Helen Schuchman, um Wrote via, uh, with um, with Christ's help. Anyway, so uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, have a nice day. Do um, I love, not fear. And uh, bye for now.